Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It is the one and only V, the Gorilla Economist, and we have with us the man of the hour who needs no introduction. He hails from somewhere in the Midwest, from parts unknown. He lurks within the dreads and the drudges and the corners and the nooks and the crannies of the Discord. It is the one and only Velas, V for Velas, folks. He is here, he is here. He is the Dark Raven of the Deep State. And he's going to be serving up all kinds of juicy tidbits, news, information. So keep it locked here. If you need to get into the Discord, email CJ, the one and only CJ, the toxic masculine person himself. He goes by the pronouns he, him. You can email him over at CJ at roguenews.com. With that being said, what's up, Velas? How are you? That was a lot in one sitting. Dude, I'm wired and I'm never tired. Actually, Is I it the tired. coffee? Death Wish, baby. That's what it does to you. Folks, if you haven't done so already, get to your local grocery store. Find a, a, a not, you know, just get Death Wish. That's all you need. Death Wish in the morning and then a normal cup of coffee in the afternoon. You're good to go. It's amazing. That's the pre-workout drink right there, bro. You know, v, I've, been you saying, had... I've been saying bro a lot, like like a Hawaiian. Or, or a guy from Florida. Yeah, or a guy from Florida. So what's new, buddy? <laughs> um, well, uh, I'm going or I'm in a position to edit some of my content for today. You had two really good items uh, out of uh, New Zealand and the other item about the markets. And I thought it might be good if you just gave everybody a thumbnail on that to start us off. Did I lose you? Hey, V, you there? V? Manila, he, he's not muted. Yeah, he is muted. He doesn't. I'll unmute him. I can't unmute him for some reason. He must have a stronghold on his microphone and have it locked. Man. Maybe he had a call come in or something. Go ahead, Bella. Switch. We got we to gotta do something about his uh, internet service provider. <laughs> hey, sorry, guys. Okay, are you back? I had a I had an incoming call. CJ was right. Oh, no worries. <laughs> okay, CJ knows me. Did you uh, did you want to cover a little bit about what you texted us this morning on both? No, no, no. That's and... going to be safe for Thursday with uh, with the crypto cowboy himself. Okay, uh, including New Zealand. No, you can talk about what? New Zealand. What's going on in okay. New Zealand? The the link you sent us. I sent you a link about New Zealand. Did you? Oh, really... yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Huh. Yes, we, yes, you, you can touch base on that one, buddy. I, 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 I yield the floor to you, sir. <sighs> okay. Now, this is pretty interesting, folks, right? Let me just click the link. Let me bring it up here. 
Now, using the power of the internet, I will, sh- I will share my screen with you. It's so powerful. It's incredible. The power of Christ compels you. Yeah, the power of Christ compels me. The power of Christ compels me. Here we go. Th- this is huge. And it's from InfoWars, Adam Salazar, right? But this is an article that says, Coroner rules New Zealand man, 26, died from Pfizer COVID jab. That is huge. When I read that, I spat my banana shake out of my mouth. That sounds gay. But <laughs> forget it. I spat my coffee out of my mouth and fell off my chair. There, that sounds more manly. <laughs> God, you're killing yeah, me. But here's the thing, right? A New Zealand man's death from myocarditis was caused by Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine, a coroner has ruled. According to a coroner, Sue Johnson's initial decision, 26-year-old Dundin plumber Rory Naren's death on November 17, 2021, at his home stemmed from the jab he received 12 days prior. Given the public interest in whether or not Rory's death was related to COVID-19 vaccination he received on the 5th of November, 2021, I consider it important to make the public my findings as to the cause of Rory's death as soon as I establish it, Johnson said in a decision made public Tuesday following a three-day inquest into Narain's death last month. I'm satisfied from the written evidence that I have received and the oral evidence heard at inquest that I have sufficient evidence to now establish the following. A, where Rory died, and B, when Rory died, and C, the cause of Rory's death. One news reports that Johnson was able to make the determination after hearing from pathologist Dr. Nolene Hung, who noticed Naren has suffered myocarditis, inflammation of the heart muscle, and pericarditis, inflammation of the lining of the heart, upon inspection. Hung also described Naren's heart as soft and pale. Dear God. I don't even know what that's... I never even heard of that, fellas. Soft and pale? Adding that the determination of death by myocarditis was reached via a diagnosis is by exclusion process eliminating other possible factors which may have caused heart muscle or pericardium inflammation. Johnson accepted Hung's medical opinion that the direct cause of Narain's death was acute myocarditis consistent with vaccine related myocarditis, end quote. Folks, this is a crown country. This is a crown country that followed to the most extreme umpteenth power led by the horse face killer himself, herself, Jacinda Ardern. A crown country, hot on the heels of Queen Elizabeth's death. May she rest in pieces. They are saying that a man, they're finally admitting well, we conspiracy theorists have been talking about for, for months now that a man actually died from a Pfizer COVID jab. My, If your mind is not exploding, if you don't understand the gravity and the magnitude of that headline, of this being public by a crown country, a commonwealth nation admitting this, the question becomes, fellas, what has changed in the narrative behind the scenes? E- either that or the family uh, or others were just persistent in spite of the opposition and were able to finally force this through and get this acknowledgement. There's also, I recall reading 
in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, other Commonwealth countries, that there are other cases forthcoming that have been under evaluation where the initial findings were it was it was vaccine related. Now, as we've covered on this show, folks, um, I hate to use the word acceptable. There is there is in the medical community and has been for years, and I'm talking about the vaccines we had in the 70s and the 80s. Um, there was a known or an understood level of fatality that would occur. The question is how much and to what degree or what was considered acceptable. With any of the shots for COVID, the take globally was that this is like a tetanus shot. It, it has the least amount of possible danger to you or your loved ones if, if you take it. And the side effects alone, as we know, are uh, extensive. Uh, depending on your physiology, your biology, which which of the shots you took, obviously the data seems to indicate that Pfizer's the worst of of all of them. But I have a feeling there are more forthcoming uh, like this, other coroner reports that will be forthcoming that indicate that the, the cause of death was the vaccine. Plus, uh, and I don't want to go there because it's not my forte, but but I leave it to others. There are certain forms of legal appeal um, in Commonwealth countries that we do not have in the United States because we have the vaccine adverse reaction network and system, which has a series of tables that compensate you based on the degree of harm you've had from taking a vaccine. As some of you may be aware, there's already been financial settlements by the British government for quote unquote undisclosed reactions, which of course would have to include death uh, from people who took the shot in the UK. Hmm. So we will, we will keep our eyes on that, and uh, V has some very interesting financial data for you coming uh, next week, Thursday. Absolutely. So to uh, kind of pick up where we were yesterday, um, first topic today, corporate self-interest. Um, we've covered on the show the initial stories coming out, uh, and now we have more detail from the insurance companies about the life insurance policies thing. Uh, namely the mantra of claims being denied in the name of essentially you took part in a non-mandatory unlicensed medical trial. And if you died from that, we're under no obligation to pay your policy. Uh, net, net, the, the self-interest of major corporations. So in a strange and related correlation, you'll recall my comments of late about the goings on in the job market, which another s- small sidebar is, is that on my LinkedIn profile, I find it interesting that you know, I'm, I'm posting much more toned down articles about the state of the oil industry or other goings on in various industries. And I'll, I'll get 30 or 40 people that'll give it a like or what have you. But, but any of the articles I've been posting uh, about anything about the job market trends, what have you, are like in the hundreds. So it's, it's very obvious to me where people's, people's minds are. Um, and of course, the, the many aspects of the job market right now is, is something where I've got uh, direct knowledge because I've been in free agency and I've been inter- interviewing with a number of organizations of late. And thanks to technocracy news, it came out recently that many firms are now finding they can only go so far with, with virtual uh, or partial virtual work. So in order to lower the barriers to employment, and let's be candid, Uh, hiring and rehiring from all the people who've been resigning. A number of companies, especially those that were very much on the bandwagon of you must get vaccinated, we're not going to, you know, honor any kind of religious exemption, etc. 
Uh, many of those large firms are now dropping those requirements. Uh, and this isn't like small companies or, or uh, you know, uh, similar. Uh, this is defense contractors. This is Goldman Sachs, Cisco, J.P. Morgan Chase. The list goes on. Uh, I posted that article to Discord uh, a number of days ago, but I found that interesting. That as soon as those companies started having a ton of issues with hiring, uh, especially with what's going on in the job market right now, uh, they just unilaterally dropped uh, the shot requirement that you have one, or boosters, or or anything else. I, I found that very interesting. Um, we had a Sunday night conference call on Discord, as we do periodically, with uh, someone who definitely knows their way around the legal community and is often uh, hosting along with a number of us chattering about various topics. I is did want to raise a man named Bilage. It might be. <laughs> it might, Rabbit. It might. Um, mischief maker. He's into mischief. It, he is. Uh, I did want to raise this uh, this tidbit from that uh, uh, conversation. Um that we had, um, you all do realize um, that Fauci cannot be sued. Let me say that again. Anthony Fauci cannot be sued. And the reason why is because he never had any legal authority. All of his pronouncements about uh, COVID or getting a shot or whatever, uh, and also it's important, every time he testified to Congress, he was he he was never sworn in. That was unsworn testimony. He, he can talk about the Easter Bunny and Jim Morrison playing concerts in Guam. He cannot be held legally liable, and he had no legal authority for what he said. The liability, if any, is on the government, and good luck suing them. And as I've said on prior shows, because I was a contractor for that agency for uh, about two years, Health and Human Services and its subcomponents of the CDC and the NIH. They make recommendations. They make recommendations. Nothing they say is binding. And I know there was a lot of confusion out there and a lot of folks kind of getting into it, whether it was with your grocery store or whatever, about, well, the CDC has said, yeah, they've said they have no legal authority. Now, there's an angle here, though. Um, and it kind of goes to what I said earlier, that if you if you followed his direction or the agency's direction, the, the liability's on you, not on Fauci. However... I did want to also throw out there, if you if someone did want to pursue Fauci or the agencies in question, and I am dead serious about this, there are other ways to do that. And first is the Inspector General's offices of HHS and any of its subcomponents, CDC and NIH, as well as sponsoring agencies of any government contract vehicles that those agencies used to buy services from various vendors you go to the inspector general's offices of those agencies or anyone who sponsored the federal contract vehicles that the agency used and ask for an investigation for fraud. And I mentioned this on another show that there's been a number of people bringing charges against the government. Now I know this sounds a little circular, but you can make the government investigate itself. It's, it's kind of like my thing about Scientology. When you've got Scientology trying to avoid uh, oversight by the government and they have an unlimited number of people at their disposal to just start looking up information, uh, it was amazing what the folks at Scientology discovered about uh, countercharging uh, Treasury and other agencies to keep themselves out from being taxed or what have you. Uh, the second item would be the Inspector General's office to investigate Fauci's leadership 
to understand why they didn't stop his personal enrichment and the various patents he has on a number of the drugs, specifically the Moderna drug, uh, and the, the countless numbers of, of conflicts of interest. Uh, the irony is, is that if you need to submit evidence, uh, just send them a copy of Robert Kennedy's book because he cited everything in his book that pretty much would qualify to bring those charges. Um, the third item is my favorite. Uh, you have the Inspector General's Office of HHS investigate itself. You can do that. You can make the Inspector General's Office investigate themselves for failure to uphold their responsibility to their agency. I've seen it done. Um, you can also have various inspector general's offices of various agencies investigate each other. You can have uh, the Treasury Department uh, or the um, General Services Administration investigate HHS and vice versa. And as I mentioned on a prior show, if you're dealing with federal contracts and someone knowingly made the government commit fraud because the government didn't know any better, the penalty payout is three times what it would normally be, and you get some of that money. And then the fourth item is, uh, what do you call it, have uh, government inspector generals and treasury officials investigate any university who took HHS, CDC, or EcoHealth Alliance money under fraudulent or kickback scenarios. Uh, in a perfect world, someone like the Florida Attorney General uh, should bring this kind of investigation, but I, I think even they would be hesitant to do so. Uh, and then, of course, one of my favorites, the Treasury Department. Um, they also could be... Uh, brought against Fauci for uh, illegal profiteering. So it's it's like the Al Capone thing. We can't get him, you know, in the in the movie uh, uh, The Untouchables. So you're telling me we can't prosecute? It's all, it's impossible almost to prosecute Al Capone for murder and for uh, what do you call it? Uh, alcohol running and everything else. But we can get him for back taxes. Well, if you want to get him, you got to get him with back taxes. So it's the same thing with Fauci. Would Fauci see prison? No. Could you bankrupt him for the rest of his life? You could seriously put a, a, a heck of a level of hurt on him. But as we were discussing on that Sunday night kind of discussion, um, there's been a number of comments by judges and others of late to the public, uh, most notably um, Justice Thomas talking about uh, gun ownership rights. Those are not being said by those legal officials or some other things you've seen in the press. Those statements are not being made uh, because they have an opinion, especially in Justice Thomas's case, on the Second Amendment. The reason why they're saying that is, and it's, it's again, it's that aspect of the legal community folks don't understand. Um, they can't act unilaterally. A lot of these federal agencies, Inspector General's offices, they can't investigate Fauci or even themselves unless somebody brings a complaint or somebody opens an investigation, it, putting it more bluntly. The public has to raise the concern. Judges can't stop, in a lot of cases, the malfeasance that goes on in the legal system unless you, the public, raise a concern or bring an action, uh, as I've mentioned on a couple of shows, uh, the attorney review boards of various states. Uh, I've used those extensively in a number of legal matters I've been in against uh, misbehaving attorneys, and it's worked very well. So another aspect on the border um, hey, real quick, Bellas, before sure. you pivot to that, I mean, let, let, let's keep in mind also that potentially, not that, I, not that I'm going to hope that it goes anywhere, but the House Oversight Committee uh, potentially could investigate Fauci for lying to Congress um, you know, through certain testimony that he's provided in regards to gain of function 
that's one strong potential that could be leveraged at, but not not in regards to the vaccine safety in itself. Um, that's that's one thing. And then from an individual perspective, and good luck with it, because it looks like they've already changed the site up a little bit. But from an individual perspective, if you do have a doctor who they probably won't say that whatever injury you sustain from the jab itself, good luck finding a doctor to to uh, support you on that. It's potentially could. But you could also look going towards more the uh, National uh, Vaccine Injury Compensation Program uh, that was established when when Reagan basically protected the pharmaceutical industry uh, from liability with vaccines. So those are two two different things that potentially could be uh, looked at in regards to, to Fauci and the safety of the vaccines. Uh, good points. Uh, on the, the last one first, um, there actually are, uh, I covered it on a prior show, there actually are consortiums of doctors out there, folks, you'll have to do some digging, um, who you can go to them and say, look, here's the medical data I've got uh, about harm and what have you. And it's not necessarily where their focus is. Their focus is more on bringing attention. But they are people that you could leverage and say, in your medical opinion, the other, the other kind of circular problem with that is, is that the American Medical Association has been, it was at one time, threatening doctors if they called into question anything about uh, the shots. But again, if, if you want to go full-blown trench warfare, then you raise the Inspector General's Office of the AMA on itself. Um, you know, I, I know these things are kind of frightening, but it's like, I've been through them myself. And it's like this when, if, especially if you're in a legal battle with somebody, I don't want to say place dirty, that's not the right word, but someone who is just absolutely violent. And I've been there. Um, you got to learn how this stuff works. You got to learn what your options are and then, and then pick and choose what you need. The only, the only concern I'd have CJ with the, with the testimony thing uh, is that he wasn't sworn in. And I know it sounds a little contradictory, but it's like you can lie to Congress if you haven't been sworn in. There's, you know, there's no penalty. Right, uh, right. It's like it's like a judge having a witness on the stand and nobody swore them in. Well, that's just that's well, just if Bob the, talking. If the Justice Department can find a way to uh, get a, a issue warrant and serve for Mike Lindell's cell phone in regards to January 6th, there's a way you could do it. It's just a matter of getting the right person in that knows how to effectively operate and execute like the Democrats know how to do. In fact, unfortunately, the Republicans don't. The Republicans don't or they don't have the will to do. I think the other now, thing that now, is... Now, now, let's be classy. Let's be classy. Let's we wanna, be classy. We, we want to be the bigger person here. Uh, although I will, I will say, CJ, there have been times in congressional history where, where Congress has issued a statement saying that, and, and I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, folks, Congress has issued statements in the past that prior testimony, which was not sworn in, was false and misleading or, or downright lies. And they've identified why they felt the witness of the person who was speaking uh, was misleading. Now, that in and of itself with Congress, there's not much you can do with that. But it's, it's kind of like some of the legal situations I've been in where I had someone make statements on the witness stand in one venue, which was ironically family court. Um, because their attitude was family court has no authority over my admission of these things. But what they admitted was financial fraud. So I literally walked across the street and spoke to the Treasury Department and said, I don't know. They just said on the witness stand that they committed fraud. And Treasury's like, 
we can't thank you enough. You'll get 30% of anything we get from that person. So that's kind of my attitude with Fauci is, is if, if you can get a group, even if it's just a group of Republicans, if you can get a group of individuals to issue a statement by Congress that Fauci's statements were misleading or downright lies, at that point, yes, in my opinion, you could, and that's all that that is, is my opinion. You could walk to other federal agencies or even civil matters uh, and see what you can do there. But you know that's not going to happen. Because we have to be classy, fellas. Well, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like a lot of things right now. There's certain parties willing to get in bed with Donald Trump because it might get them votes. And uh, it doesn't mean they're not going to go over the wall the minute they uh, re-win their, re-win their, their, uh, their seat. Uh, we'll, we'll just have to see. Um, speaking of this topic, yeah. did you all hear we, we have another unusual new cause of death? Uh, on top what is of it loud- this time? Breathing? Well, I was going to say, on top of loud noises, uh, getting up suddenly, flying on a plane, or being involved in sports, uh, we now have a spike of people who are dying from sudden onset of irregular heartbeat. Um, per the British press, uh, it, it heavily relates to data they have from Wales uh, and Britain, per the Office of National Statistics, which is in the UK. Um, what is comical, if this were not so damn serious, is the language being used uh, is the quote-unquote study of and quote-unquote trying to understand what they loosely call uh, excess deaths or extra deaths above normal death averages. Um, now, when I, I used wonder to, what's going on. When so I used to serious. I used to channel Dilbert in meetings with clients of mine and say, for all of you who've read Dilbert about whatever we would be discussing, and they would well, say, well, you, the you just mentioned Dilbert. He's just been deplatformed. Yes, Dilbert I saw got that. Canceled. He got he got canceled because he inserted a woke employee into the into the comic strip. Um, but yeah, I I remember sitting in meetings with people where they would say, "Well, we have this department and they're unable to do whatever," and and I would say, "Well, what is their reasoning?" And they would tell me what it is, and I would say, "Well, to quote uh, Scott McAdams from Dilbert, that's weasel language. Um, this is weasel language. We're studying and trying to understand extra deaths or excess deaths." Uh, rather than just flat out saying we have a surge in deaths, they're they're using this kind of obscure uh, wording to kind of confuse the public because typical of, of agencies, in this case the UK, they have to release the fact that they've identified this pattern, but they have to kind of word it in a way that confuses the public. Um, now, to be honest, folks, in, in the stress levels of a number of the jobs I've had, I've, I've taken hypertension medication. In fact, I've had... Uh, colleagues I've worked with in certain industries who've either come to me or, or told me when I first started working there, essentially to the effect of, um, if you're not taking hypertension medication, you better be taking hypertension medication if you're going to work here or if you deal with these kinds of clients, because this is just the cost of, of the job. There's not a senior executive I know that was on my team in Washington that wasn't on, on something. So again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not dispensing medical advice. I'm just offering some thoughts. If you or a family member or a friend or just someone you know is starting to experience odd heartbeat activity or, uh, you know, sudden palpitations or whatever, uh, my own opinion, uh, do not hesitate. Get that checked out. Uh, and equally, I've known folks that have had everything from, you know, the signal to the heart is, is not right or they've got a, a valve problem or, or a host of things that it could be before they can even get in there and start figuring it out. Oftentimes, doctors will issue medication 
hypertension type medication to kind of help smooth out uh, your stress level and your heart, your heart until they can get to the bottom of it. And where I'm going with this is, is that if you've got anybody you know that's starting to experience uh, these unusual heartbeat problems or whatever, uh, regardless of what caused it, uh, man, get get them in front of a doctor and see if the doctor can prescribe. There are a host of these these drugs. One of them is called lisinopril. Um, you know, get them in front of a doctor, see if a doctor can issue uh, some kind of medication to kind of help that person out until they kind of get to the bottom of what's causing it. Um, and as I recently said to some like-minded friends of mine, uh, when, when tragically, uh, we start seeing even more side effects with folks and other, uh, later problems people start experiencing. I want to assure all of you on this show, the last words on my lips to anybody is going to be, I told you so. Uh, the only thing I'm focused on is getting people I know the analysis and care they need for any of the side effects. I'm not I'm not here to judge them whether or not they took the shot. I knew many people that didn't want to but felt they were going to lose their job, and that's a whole other topic. So as I said, if if you know of anybody or have family members or what have, have you, don't hesitate, especially, you know, I'm going to go there, kind of channel my inner Gus, but in a different way, especially with guys. Guys will let stuff, men will often let stuff ride you know, just kind of tap, tap their chest and go, Oh geez, I, I guess I need to take a Tums or something. No, uh, get in, get in front of a doctor, let them hook you up and, and start checking you out at a minimum. They can, um, what do you call it? Get, get you some medications. There's a, there's a number of medications out there they can give you. So, um, FBI focus. I'd like to revisit something I said on a prior show. Um, I live near an FBI cybersecurity facility. Uh, it's the classic kind of data center thing. It's half the building's underground, half of it's above ground, and sits sits low, has a fence around it, uh, no identifying medication, or uh, medication, I'm sorry, no identifying <laughs> signage uh, or anything around it. Um, and periodically on weekends, uh, but but especially on either Mondays or Fridays, I will often see nothing but the classic uh, black or gray rental vehicles, usually Suburbans or whatever, uh, you know, parked out front. Um, and that site, uh, among the, the, yes, they do perform financial forensics, uh, of fraud and similar, but as I've mentioned on prior shows, one of the things that that facility focuses on is, is pedophile investigations. And I said on a prior show, if I ever found that that facility was shut down or redirected, uh, I would know the other shoe is dropped. Um, now has that occurred with the facility near near where I live? To my knowledge, no. They're still focused on on what they do, and I still keep seeing on various weird weekends or whatever a whole bunch of cars at four o'clock in the afternoon all go piling in there, which usually means they're going over data before they they. It's the government. They always do this shit on Mondays or Fridays. Um, they're they're preparing a case. And they're going over their data with whether it's Treasury and FBI or what have you, but, and and they're going over the material there at that facility before they go and arrest whoever they're going to go arrest. Um, there's been some discussions uh, and folks in congressional subcommittees discussing recently that there were a bunch of FBI whistleblowers uh, coming forward about the agency. Now, at the time, those comments were kind of directed about the weaponization of the agency for political purposes, January 6th, the whole enchilada there. But one of the areas that has come up was that the agency had been redirecting its efforts away from pedophile activity and toward political witch hunts. Now, again, this is one of those topics where we got to be careful. We got to be real careful. 
uh, and I've said this often, um, we may hear content who disturbs or angers us or sounds like something is happening. Uh, case in point, the FBI is moving away from pedophile investigations and using those resources solely for political witch hunts or, or anything January 6 oriented or gun owners or conservatives. Is that really the truth? As of right now, we don't really know. Um, now, what can we say? Well, we can say that there are dedicated FBI offices in Washington, D.C. that have been politicized. That's a given. And nothing, I mean, look at, I'm neither here nor there on, on the raid on, on Donald Trump's, uh, what do you call it, uh, dwelling uh, down in Florida. Uh, that's why they didn't use anybody from Florida's FBI offices to do that. They sent people from Washington, D.C. down there. So it's like, has the D.C. office for the FBI been politicized? Well, that, that's, to me, that's almost not even open for discussion. But verify, verify, verify. With the midterms coming, and especially prior to the next major election, as I often say, aliens on the White House lawn. So when we see articles that say, well, the entire FBI has stopped investigating pedophiles and all they're doing is going after conservatives and gun owners and anybody that doesn't like Joe Biden, the FBI field office and the FBI headquarters, probably. Uh, every other FBI office, I don't know. I can certainly speak for some folks out here in the Midwest that I haven't, I haven't seen that kind of a redirection of those of those assets. It doesn't mean it hasn't happened, but before anybody starts going off about how the FBI, I know the FBI has been politicized, but again, that's the DC office. And when you've got this many whistleblowers coming forward, we're just going to have to see what, uh, what their testimony says. So I've got kind of a, uh, a big, big topic or the, the rest of, of what I'm going to cover today, uh, with the following, um, why or how do federal agencies sometimes screw up other federal agencies, a.k.a. who the heck is Robert Brockman? So a little color here. Um, like a lot of industries and vendors to industries, there's often a form of oligopoly. There's a limited number of vendors because if you had more than a handful, no one's really going to make any money in that industry. And technically, it's not a monopoly, so it's not like the SEC is going to get involved. So many years ago, when the first information technology systems were being sold to car dealerships and car rental agencies, um, and, and these types of IT systems were known as DMSs, or dealer management systems, there were three main vendors. One was ADP. A lot of you may know ADP because of their payroll system and their tax systems. A lot of companies use ADP software for that. Another one was called Reynolds & Reynolds, and a smaller firm was named UCS. Uh, UCS tended to sell to large auto groups uh, as early on ADP and Reynolds systems couldn't handle the challenges of managing very, very large car retailing operations. Back in the day, most it was usually a family-owned car dealership they owned to maybe two or three locations versus, say, like Troy Aikman down in uh, Troy Aikman's dealerships down in Texas, where it was like 30, 40 uh, retail and, and body shops and everything all connected by a single computer system. UCS was managed by its founder, who was a guy named Robert Brockman. And in Reynolds' case, they were a typical Midwestern firm where not much had changed over the years. And pretty much like El Salvador, you had five last names running, running the whole company. Reynolds' management had reached a point of apathy in the 1990s where, and I know this for a fact, if, they could, if senior managers in the firm could play golf three days a week and get paid, that was fine with them. So as a result, the company completely lost its competitiveness and started to slip. In 2006, Brockman used a private equity firm to buy Reynolds & Reynolds. 
and we'll get back to the PE firm in just a moment. So about Brockman, who is the guy? Well, he's, a, he's out of Texas, uh, originally born uh, in Florida, but moved down to Texas with a Texas ego to match. And at one time, ADP was going to buy his company and, and further consolidate the industry. And they backed out at the last minute. And Brockman always felt that ADP did that to throw, try and throw off his business operations. And he, he took that very seriously. People who knew him have told me that he used to literally carry around a red folder everywhere he went, like a red legal folder, with the paperwork for the failed ADP deal, uh, just to, re to remind himself how pissed off he was about this. And he started developing a real hang-up about running a company big enough to compete with ADP. So he bought out Reynolds and Reynolds and merged his company with Reynolds and then took the new company private and bought back all the stock. Now, he did that to avoid shareholders telling him how to run the company. But some of the things uh, Brockman used to do uh, included regular drug tests for employees, including hair samples. Now, some of you may be aware of this, that hair samples have far more detailed picture about your health than just blood. And one of the things he was testing for was nicotine. He didn't care if you were around people who were smoking and didn't smoke yourself. He considered it a bad lifestyle choice. And if the test was positive, you were terminated. It wasn't just if you were on drugs. He didn't even want you around anybody who smoked. And because it was a private company, his attitude was, this is the way I want to run the company. And you terminate it if you ever come back with a drug test that shows any kind of nicotine in, in, in your hair. Um, also, after he took control of the company, he instituted a policy where he started moving anybody over the age of 40 out of the firm. And again, it had some similar reasons. He wanted to keep the costs of operations down, especially when it came to the health coverage uh, that they had to provide. And he didn't want to deal with people that had sick kids uh, or anything else that might inter interfere with your ability to deliver for the company. Now, I know a number of you might be saying, well, Velas, that's a lawsuit. Well, you're right. And that's why he's set aside, and this is the truth, he set aside several tens of millions of dollars for settlements he knew he'd have to make along with very tight non-disclosure agreements. He went into it knowing he was going to get sued for these actions and didn't care. He put money aside for that. The other thing is, is that the guy had been in the courts most of his life. His business history was littered with never-ending list of court cases by people who did business with him, including former customers. And his legal teams were known for their well-honed intimidation tactics. And he had been involved in hundreds of arbitrations and lawsuits, especially around his overbilling tactics, both when he was at UCS and then later after he merged that company with, with Reynolds. Brockman was involved with a private equity firm named uh, Vista Equities. Uh, he even had provided a billion dollars in seed money for that private equity firm, which is a little bit of a conflict of interest given his business dealings with them. Now, the, the main criminal activity for Brockman was this. He created offshore investments to hide his wealth and avoid taxes, and he was accused by the U.S. government of hiding $2 billion in income. The deal with v Vista Equity Partners, uh, who was based out of Texas as well, they were founded by a guy named Robert Smith, who had been a major uh, executive of one of the big financial firms. Robert Smith was also one of the richest African-Americans in the United States. Now, this whole story about Brockman and what he was doing uh, has everything. Uh, offshore money, tax evasion, playboy models, encrypted email systems, code names and code books, 
for uh, what do you call it, communications between between Brockman and Smith and and a host of other people. And when Brockman provided seed capital to Robert Smith, there was an agreement that Smith would use Vista Equity to help hide Brockman's wealth in Bermuda. Brockman had a ton of what you would almost call shell investment fronts in Bermuda, Belize, the Virgin Islands, and the list goes on. And as Brockman retained the power to replace Smith as head of the investment group, he had total power over him. Eventually, all these financial tricks and movements caught the eye of the Treasury Department and other investigations. And as I've said on a couple of prior shows, the Great Recession of 2008 did help reveal a lot of nonsense going on in the markets because folks could no longer hide bad management practices behind uh, debt and other mechanisms. So Smith found himself the subject of a U.S. government investigation, and he rolled over on Brockman. Ironically, once Smith got a plea agreement with the U.S. government, he paid something like over $100 million in penalties and fines, uh, and then agreed to be a witness against Robert Brockman. Um, Smith stayed in charge of Vista Equity, and even after he was charged and cut a deal with the government, most of the investors with Vista Equity stayed right where they were. They stayed with the fund. Uh, you got to love the whores who are private equity. Um, Brockman's case was referred to by the Department of Justice as the largest individual tax case in U.S. history, and Treasury hit him with 39 counts, including wire fraud, tax evasion, money laundering, and the U.S. Department of Justice said uh, the $2 billion scheme uh, to conceal his income and defraud investors uh, of both Vista Equity as well as Reynolds and Reynolds. So because it's me, <laughs> what's, what's the reason why I'm bringing this up? What's the hidden aspect here? Well, supposedly a number of those offshore institutions that Brockman's private equity firm were doing business with, yeah, they were laundering money for Western intelligence agencies. <laughs> so this is what I meant about branches of government not speaking with each other. I'm sure Treasury and Justice were overjoyed to show their value to the American taxpayer by bringing the very news, news-ready heading of largest individual tax evasion case in history. Um, but this is where, if I was ever working for those agencies, my first thought would be, you folks down there really need to consider, if somebody's laundering a lot of money offshore, your investigations in any kind of court case is going to reveal things that U.S. and foreign intelligence agencies do not want revealed. And that would be bad. So as soon as this hit the news and they were charging uh, Brockman, he claimed he couldn't stand trial because he suddenly had dementia. Uh, there were other stories floating around out there that very powerful people did not want this court case to ever see the inside of a courtroom because the last thing they wanted was deeper investigations into what some of those funds were in those Caribbean nations. Like Gawain. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, to, to figure out what was going on there. Um, mercifully, for those who wanted to remain anonymous uh, longer, the court case stayed out of court. Uh, because Brockman said that he was not competent to stand trial because he had dementia. Uh, a few months ago, a judge said Brockman was competent enough to stand trial. Robert Brockman died on August 5th of this year. Convenient. Convenient. He's probably with Ken Lay on that <laughs> island. <laughs> Jimi Hendrix. Yes. Jimi Hendrix is hitting the guitar. Ken Lay's on a beach with Bronkman. That's, that's, that's God, Ken on. Lay. Wow. There's a name. Mm -hmm. Enron, a.k.a. CIA Ron. 
Yeah, I've I actually somewhere in my archives I've got a photo of most of the officials of Enron and MCI WorldCom when they were arrested, all the charged parties and C level executives. And it is uh what they what in the federal circles folks they call the perp walk, the perpetrator walk, where two, sometimes three agents will walk the person from their home or wherever to a waiting vehicle where they're taken off for processing. And friends of mine who worked in government, they used to literally print this stuff out and have agent of the week or whatever, because these agents always know the media is going to be there photographing these people. So especially with high profile cases like, like MCI WorldCom and, and Enron and similar, the agents in question have like the nicest suits you've ever seen with the, the classic federal. Well, that's when they go all out, buddy. Oh yeah, yeah. They've got the classic reflective sunglasses oh, yeah. or the dark sunglasses. They've been they've been working Mr. out. Anderson. They've been they've been doing the uh, the uh, football two a day practices at the gym twice a day, so mm-hmm. they're all beefed out and bulging at the neck around their collar uh, as they as they cart the person off to off to prison. So um, yeah, it's uh, back when the FBI had uh, had some sort of sense of semblance and respect. Now you'll have a Twinkie eating donut monster walking a uh, uh, <laughs> walking a, P- a PTA member from an elementary school. Hey, I like Twinkies. Back off Twinkies, please. Hey, you don't like Twinkies anymore. You're That's a toxic right, masculine person. Remember that. He him. Hey, Twinkies almost went out of business at one point. They I did. Know, thank God. Did. Shudder, they, shudder they, the thought. The bakeries. Hey, the plant is in New Jersey, man. It's uh, it almost went down. Well, little Debbie's—you can't beat little Debbie's price points. They—they—they they, they had them running. Yeah, that's true. I still like Entenmann's, bro. Give me Entenmann's coffee cake. Villas, is there anything Ooh. better than an Entenmann's coffee cake? Ooh, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah, that's a good one. Hobo sermons. Yes, I did see the theory that Rush Limbaugh was Jim Morrison. I also saw the photos of people trying to argue that that he was Jim Morrison. <laughs> Rush Limbaugh's Jim Morrison. That's hilarious. Alex Jones is Bill Hicks. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh. Well, that's all I've got for today, Joe, gentlemen. Uh. And folks, just a reminder, uh, I will uh, no show for me on Friday the 30th. Uh, I will be back um, on the 7th of October, um, Friday. And uh, I'll be traveling. So as many folks have been uh, joking on Discord, uh, I'll be on the East Coast. So if anything weird happens on the East Coast, I'll say in advance. I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Brother, thank you so much for joining us, man. You hit it out of the ballpark yet again. We Folks, we have Harley Schlanger next, 12 p.m. Keep it locked. Keep it loaded right here. See, do you want to say anything? No, just uh, everyone have a, a good stuff, fellas, uh, and everyone out there have a have a great uh, weekend. Uh, I appreciate all the engagement in our in our Discord chat and server. I did get several new requests today. I'll try to get those out um, before before the end of the day. That way, people can start participating in there. So, but yeah, really, really love it. Love the memes. Um, good, good conversation. It's a, it's a lot of fun to hang out in. Remember, don't be homophobic and uh, date a trans person <laughs> if you don't. You're Hitler. You're Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) 